Welcome to the next episode of my series that takes you deep inside the upcoming opponent. This week we're talking to David Harrison, who is a uh, Bucks insider. He writes for Bucks Game Day, part of the Fan Nation Network, which is where I work. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate the invite, Grant. Yeah, happy to do it. Uh, so my first question, I got five questions for you. And the first question has to do with the offense. It seems to me you got, not you, the, the Buccaneers have the greatest quarterback of all time, arguably. Yeah four good receivers and a couple good running backs and they're scoring 16.3 points per game on the road what's going on with the offense this year yeah i mean honestly like up front uh it feels to me or it looks to me like like for there's a there's a couple of things and i think on the field between the between the, the lines i think what most people watching the buccaneers might notice is it definitely looks like tom brady's not supremely comfortable behind that offensive line and i think to a certain extent, extent, you know that's that's to be expected. Ali Marpet has left guard, retires. Uh, center Ryan Jensen gets injured on the first day uh, of, tra- of training or offseason programs, and then right guard Shaq Mason is experienced but still new to the group. And you know you're having to kind of constantly rotate people. Then for a while they go with the rookie uh, Luke Gedeke there at the at the left guard position, and it's just it it was just kind of been just a mix up, a jumble there up front. And now Tristan Wirfs is you know also injured and and, and missing time, so it's. It's just kind of a, of a mess up front. And I think a lot of the quick throws that you're seeing from Tom comes from a lack of confidence. And even in uh, some of his – the play calling from Byron Leftwich, I think there is kind of a display of a lack of confidence in what that offensive line can truly provide for the running game and for the passing game. And then Todd Bowles, a defensive-minded head coach, obviously one of the better defense coordinators uh, in the league during his time. I also think he is kind of the classic defensive-minded coach where he wants to control the ball, run the ball, mm. hold the clock but then also let his defense kind of be the hero of the day. So I think all that combined is the reason you're seeing really what's a very pedestrian offense uh, out of Tampa Bay. Yeah. So it's, you could point to the offensive line. Clearly that offensive line is, is not good. Is there, I'm just wondering from afar, do they miss Bruce Arians? I don't know that you can necessarily say they miss Bruce Arians. In fact, actually we've had this conversation on, on locked on bucks and I've actually, I've kind of wondered if maybe, Bruce Arians in this situation with this offensive line and some of the problems they've had would actually be a worse head coach mm, for this version of the, the Buccaneers. Yeah, because yeah. he's going to want to push the, the ball down yeah. the field. And he's basically going to tell his guys, look, it's your job to give Tom time. Go give Tom time. And if they can't do it, I mean, who knows? Like Go Tom down. Brady could be injured in week three and out for the season, you know, type of a deal. And, you know, you hate to speculate those kinds of things. But honestly, just with the way that Bruce approaches the game, it actually could possibly be worse uh, in, in in some aspects. Got it. Um, <clears throat> offense was looking really bad uh, in this last game until the very end. They go you no know, huddle up tempo, and all of a sudden yeah. it's Tom Brady doing his thing. I guess <clears throat> from the 49ers' perspective, is there a possibility that the Bucks could come out doing this in the first quarter and say, you know, let's uh, this, this Niners defense is great, but if we yeah. keep them from substituting and maybe keep that defensive line on the field for eight, nine, ten plays, we got yeah. a chance. Is that something that they do? I mean, you would like to think so, right? But this isn't the first time we've seen this Buccaneers team go, you know, uh, with, with a hurried tempo and go no huddle and all that stuff for a stretch of time, have a lot of success. And then everybody around the Buccaneers says, well, look, it works really great. Now let's see this earlier in the game and let's do this more often to come out next week and to be generally disappointed that you don't actually see that happen early in the game and you don't see it happen more often. And it's something that I kind of wondered following uh, the last minute win against the New Orleans Saints because you come, when we came into the locker room after that game, you know, there's a lot of questions. There was a fourth down, fourth and two, if, if memory serves correctly, on the New Orleans 40. They were down two scores, had about seven minutes left in the game. You feel like that's a pretty good spot to maybe go for it 
uh, on fourth down and, and see if you can't get a first down, continue to move drive, drive down the field and, and, and eat into that lead. Todd Bowles decides to punt. Well, then later on, you end up with a fourth and long in your own end of the field. And there was some, it seemed like some discussion, some hesitation, maybe to sit, deciding whether or not to go for it or punt. Todd Bowles eventually does punt, which, you know, you hate to go for it on fourth down in that type of situation, but kind of view back to it. If you go for it on that previous fourth down, maybe you don't need this one as much and it's not such a tough decision. So when it got brought up to Todd in the postgame press conference, he kind of says, well, you know, if we do those things and we give up points to the Saints and we lose this game. So see, it turned out really great for us. And it almost kind of feels like he feels now vindicated in his slow, steady approach, being super conservative early and only pushing the tempo when he needs to. So because of that, I expect to see more of the same. Who's the go-to guy in this passing offense? <clears throat> Uh, I mean, honestly, I would say Chris Godwin, right? So Mike okay. Evans is is still kind of on pace for his thousand yard season, which would extend his record that he broke from Randy Moss, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and that's great. Um, Kate Otten, the tight end, the young tight end, has certainly looked really good in the moments that he's had uh, as well. And we know Tom loves the running backs, but I feel like Chris Godwin is the guy uh, coming off of his knee injury, coming off of an earlier, you know, hamstring injury early in the season. He's now starting to look like the real Chris Godwin that Bucks fans have come to know. Uh, and love and I feel like the better he gets uh, this season the more in tune he gets this season the more dangerous he can be and he's a guy that can do it on all three levels uh, to a certain level of of of, uh, of of ability and we know that everybody's gonna pay attention to Mike Evans and the more that Julio Jones kind of gets involved Scotty Miller has done some good things but I really feel like the more this team gets Chris Godwin going the better they're going to be in the long run final question on the offense how's the run game uh the run game so the run game not very great, right? Got so, it. still towards the bottom of the lead. The running back usage and the contributions from the running backs has been improved. And Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, came in as the workhorse and he was on career high, you know, pace to, and touches, yards, all these things. And then he kind of gets banged up. Rashad White, the rookie out of Arizona State, has gotten a lot of work lately and shown flashes of what he can do and why he deserves a bigger, bigger role. Some people want him to be the true RB1. Some people still think Lenny, the veteran, should be that guy. It's going to be a split. I think the guy that steps onto the field first is basically going to be the guy that just fits the script and what they want to do against the Niners defense uh, coming coming right out the gate. So it's really not a matter of who's RB1. It's just both those guys are going to get their burn in certain circumstances, and they're both showing their abilities. But I think Rashad White is really the guy that a lot of Niners fans may not necessarily know him. He comes out of the Pac-12, so you know West Coast you know fans may still know who he is. Uh, but he's more of the James White type of running back uh, than Leonard Fournette is, and I think the more he gets comfortable, the more he gets going with Tom, the more he could be impactful as we get down the stretch. So the, the quick and easy answer when you ask, hey, why is the Tampa Bay running game not that great despite having two good running backs? Or, hey, why is the Tampa Bay passing game not that great despite having four weapons and the greatest quarterback of all time? The offensive line. It matters. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, legendary answer says, just want to be the first super chat on Monday. Well, uh, money. Thank you. Appreciate you. I got the next question. This is about the Bucks defense. Statistically, it's really good. It's given up like 15 points per game on the road. Uh, a lot of familiar faces from the Super Bowl. What are the strengths and weaknesses? How good is this unit? What are the strengths and weaknesses? It's definitely a very good unit. I would say top half of the league, easy top ten. I think you make that argument. And I think the biggest strength for this Buccaneers defense is versatility. You know, they have they have some very talented uh, defensive linemen or other that can both impact the run, but can also impact the pass rush uh, when needed. And then of course they've got you know the, the linebackers behind them, Devin White and Levante David are versatile enough to to play in pass coverage. Also. Uh, assault the running game and then pressure the quarterback as well. And really, when you look at the safeties, I mean, they've got a, a solid combination of safeties if and when they're available. And that's kind of the key is, is having all of those guys uh, available so that when 
Todd Bowles sees what the opponent, you know, obviously he's going to have his expectations for what the opponent's going to do, but when he sees what they're actually doing in real time, if he needs to make an adjustment, there's kind of a guy to, to fill whatever hole, you know, if, if they're maybe running a little faster than we expected them to, we've got a guy we can throw on the field that has some speed. If they're more physical than we expected, we've got a guy that can bring the physicality and be able to plug those holes. So I think that's really their, their biggest strength is the versatility, even with some of the injuries, losing Shaquille Barrett. Uh, specifically has been huge and then some of the safeties that are banged up they've still kind of been able to maintain that i'm a little bit worried with the uh, the potential status of the safeties if they're going to be able to continue that trend here in san francisco 49ers but we'll just kind of have to see what they can what can they what, what they can what they can accomplish their weaknesses i would say is some of the inexperience not just in the system so they've got logan ryan is new keanu neal is new um you know uh, so some other guys are getting some a, a bigger workload because of the injuries but also just inexperienced in the National Football League. Zion McCollum, a rookie cornerback, he's got a lot of promise. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of potential there, but the potential is not met with the play on the field as of yet, and he's getting exposed in some opportunities or some some situations where he's having to play more than you would like him to. Sean Murphy Bunting, the cornerback that missed the last game against the New Orleans Saints, a lot of those missed, uh, missed plays that led to five explosive passes for New Orleans were really kind of a result of that lack of experience in the system and then even in the league. Okay, Um I really respect Todd Bowles. He used to be in the NFC West. I've seen him coach a long time. He's what I consider one of the better defensive coaches in the league. And what the Niners showed last week on offense, they 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 scored 33. I think they scored seven on defense. The Dolphins actually showed some things on defense. They kept getting pressure by blitzing. They did a lot of zero blitzes. They injured Jimmy Garoppolo. They kept getting free rushers against the Niners. And they were simulta- simultaneously anticipating and covering the hot routes. So Brock Purdy comes in and he made a few plays, made a few guys miss, made a few few throws while taking hits. It seems like the Niners haven't necessarily found a schematic solution yet to this problem. And the Todd Bowles, I remember, would be very aggressive with his pressures, especially against a team that's shown this weakness and a rookie quarterback making his first career start. Are these fair assumptions? What do you expect Todd Bowles against Brock Purdy? Oh, I expect Todd Bowles to bring a lot of pressure to to Purdy and try to disguise it in, in as many ways as he can. I mean, we've seen some safety blitzes over the A gap, and we've seen we've seen safeties line up over the nose, you know, or as as the nose. I mean, that there's going to be a lot of things that Brock Purdy is about to see that he probably didn't anticipate seeing his first NFL start. Um, yeah. and, and we're going to see how he stands up to it, you know. But I think give give Kyle Shanahan and that coach staff, obviously, you know, they they they're established the way they are for a reason. They're very intelligent, I'm sure. Uh, that those other quarterbacks are kind of giving them as much help as they can to, to get them ready, get him ready uh, for this. And I think, you know, I I expect, and I'm sure Todd expects to see a lot of left and right movement from the 49ers offense to try to help kind of spell uh, some of that out. But I think that, yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see some, some corner blitzes where guys dumping out over where the corner used to be. So you can try to catch them in the, you know, we, everybody always wants to say, throw, throw where the blitz is coming from. Well, Todd Bowles has a way of masking that and putting a guy right there in that hole where you're going to try to throw the ball and, and try to take advantage of that. So I'm sure you're going to see a lot of things uh, from Todd Bowles here, uh, trying to have some fun with this matchup. That's what's so crazy about Brock Purdy entering this game. I mean, it's week 14. There's no, they don't, there's not enough hours in the day to show him on the field all the looks that the Bucks could pr- potentially present on defense. Uh, legendary answers. Niners wants to know how effective is Vita Vea going to be on Sunday. That's you know that's a, that's a really great question, and I feel like. Honestly, I could see Todd Bowles doing a lot of things with Vita Vea. It's the weirdest thing for me to see from the Buccaneers defense, seeing Vita Vea drop off in coverage, but you do see it every once in a while. And it's it's a little weird, but sometimes you like he likes to use Vita to kind of set up 
a shift or kind of say, okay, we're going to make them kind of shift their projector, their protection to go this way or that way by overloading one side or the other and, and trying to get those mismatches. So it may not necessarily be Vita Vea himself making the play or even hitting the stat box, but so much how other guys can play off of him. So if you're paying really close attention, you might see some Buccaneers play off of Vita Vea and get the stat, get the play, get the tackle for loss or the sack, but not necessarily necessarily Vita himself making the play, uh, so to speak, because of the way that they're going to utilize him to draw that attention that they know the, the 49ers have to pay to him. Real quick for the people watching, if you have a question for David about the Bucks, feel free to write in. If you have a question about the Niners, for me, Jeffrey Ray, I'm looking at you. Just wait. I'll, I'll get to you after David's done because let's not waste his time. All right, I got a question. Nick Bosa has been listed as questionable for this game. Didn't practice all week. Probably going to be a game-time decision. Also, the Niners have a, a, a game on Thursday night, so that's more maybe reason for them to be cautious with Nick Bosa. Put him on a pitch count or not play him at all. That's the, that's the update with the Niners. What is the update with the Bucks in terms of injuries, and, and which ones are the uh, most impactful for this game? Yeah, so your, your number one tight end, Cam Brate, missed last week's game with what's being disclosed as an illness. He still has that illness designation, but he's been participating in practice. Expect to see him back on the field, so he'll be running around there with KDOT as well. Sean Murphy bunting, I think he's going to return to turn to action. Uh, he missed the Saints game as well, but he's been practicing in a limited fashion. It does look like he's probably uh, going to play. Vita Vea is listed, but he's he's going to play. I don't, I don't have any concerns there. Tristan Wirfs is out. like He's not. Uh, sure. you know, Jason Light actually recently said, the Bucks general manager, so that Vita or Tristan Wirfs may actually become a day-to-day guy sooner than most people really expected. But even if that's the case, we expected four to six weeks, not two weeks. So he's not going to go day-to-day this week, and he's certainly not going to play uh, against the Niners. Antoine Winfield Jr. and Mike Edwards, the two safeties that missed practice all week last week and missed the Saints game, they missed practice all week this week. And mm-hmm. that is the concern. I don't expect either of those guys to play. And that really kind of damages that versatility that I was just talking about with the Buccaneers defense. And that puts Logan Ryan and it puts Keanu Neal in starting roles where they're usually kind of playing those those role player roles. And again, if Sean Murphy Bundy can return, then that's great because that helps out Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, the cornerbacks there, and gives them more experience, not just in the NFL, but also in the scheme because you don't want to rely on Zion. But even with Logan out there, the veteran, was a little bit limited in his knowledge here in Keanu Neal, who is very, very limited as, as a safety, to be quite honest. He's, he's a linebacker safety hybrid. There's really not a lot of coverage uh, ability in there. So that is going. that's where you're going to see the limitation in Todd Bowles' defense if those things come to fruition, as I expect them to. Well, the Niners haven't been a team that really challenges safeties or teams on the back end of their uh, Defense through the air, at least. But Josh Wyatt has a question. How well does the Bucks back seven tackle in space? Because the Niners are the yards after the catch offense. And that's exactly best. where the concern comes from. Because, you know, even from a, from a deep coverage standpoint, obviously you want to have guys, right? But Antoine Winfield Jr. is, if not Good the tackle. best safety yeah. in the National Football League, playing all three levels as a defender. I mean, he's one of them. He, he's He's got to be up there. I mean, of course, you know, if you're watching the Bucks every week, you think that he is probably the best. But from around the league, I'll just say one of the best. And that's really the biggest loss here is Antoine Winfield Jr. But even Mike Edwards, to his 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 benefit, he's definitely, I'd say, more of a kind of a box intermediate level type safety. But he's got some deep coverage ability. We've seen him make some plays in coverage. But he's also got a lot of range, and he's very smart in the angles that he takes. And that is where I get concerned with guys like Keanu Neal and even Sean Murphy Bunding coming back from the injury and Logan Ryan he's just not as physical, right? So, I mean, he might be in the position, but yeah. he's not going to make every tackle by himself. He's going to need uh, some help so the Niners can get a block on some guys and free up some space, or if they can get Logan Ryan isolated, that may be a, a place where they can do some damage. Okay. Um, give me a, a winner. Predict a winner, and can you give me a score? 
Yeah. So I actually, so yeah, so I have a score prediction that I made. We do a crossover with the Locked On Niners, uh, you know, nice. Locked On, whatever opponent show is. And we had Locked On Niners on Thursday for Locked On Eric Crocker? Yeah, Eric Crocker and Brian Peacock both. Yeah. Nice. I just did a show with Eric Crocker this morning. Yeah, Croc's a, Croc's a great dude. I look yeah. forward to spending a week with him in Mobile again. It'll be a lot of nice. fun. Um, so here, I'm going to say it the same way I said it on that show. Okay. I feel like every X's and O's traditional football thing you could look at says the Niners should win this game. The way the Buccaneers offense has been not playing, the way the Buccaneers defense can get you know uh, victimized, especially if they're missing some of the players they are. Now, obviously, Nick Bosa is huge, right? So th- this is all... I, I went That's, with Nick yeah. Bosa playing in this prediction. I wouldn't necessarily I assume that. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah no, that, that. Now that you're adding that, yeah, definitely change things. But I still, my gut, this entire week has said 24 17 Tampa Bay. Um, wow. And some Niners fans are like, well, that's a homer take. And, and I understand why you would say that. No, I wouldn't I would say encourage that. encourage you listen to some of my old stuff. You will see that I will pick the Buccaneers to lose if I truly believe they will. Tom Brady's getting his second crack in playing in San Francisco. And I don't care how old he gets. His dream was to play in San Francisco. True. Not necessarily that stadium, but still in San Francisco. This is his it's opportunity true. to do it. Maybe his last one. Uh, we'll see what the future holds for him. But I just think this is going to be a different kind of game for him. It's going to put him on a different type of level. And the team is going to want to play for him. They already want to play for him, but they're going to want to play for him even more this week. So I feel like you see the Bucks put it uh, together a little bit more than usual. Not completely, but a little bit more. So I do have Bucks winning 24-17. It's interesting. I have the Niners winning 17-13. We agree on what the Niners are going to put out, 17 points. Um, (laughs) The Niners' defense has been so great the last few months, but Bosa won't be playing. Well, actually, we don't know. I'm I'm guessing he won't, but we don't know. I'm not going to change my prediction. Um, But I will say, if you watched the game between the Niners and, and Dolphins last week, Dolphins had guys open, like, throughout the game. And now they were downfield, two a missed... I, maybe they were tough throws. I was sitting there watching, and I was thinking, Brady's going to hit these throws. Yeah. Now, I don't know if, if they can get uh, Julio Jones and Mike Evans open like Tyreek Hill was getting open, but right. there's there were throws to be had, and if Nick Bosa's not out there, 24-17 yeah, could happen. Huge, that's a huge thing. So, Is Tristan worse playing, or is he still out? out? No, he's definitely out, yeah. He's going to be out. All right. Can you tell me what's in store for Tom Brady's future? Um, the reason is because I think some, a lot of Niner fans, maybe the Niners themselves, are hoping that he hits free agency, wants to keep playing, and signs over here. Because the Niners said no to him a few years ago, and I think they feel like it's one of the dumbest things they've ever done. And it was. So what do you tell me? What's up? So you know, a lot there's there's some rumors going around right now that he's eyeing a potential return to New England, and and you can put all the oh. obvious reasons out why he might want to do that. I don't know that I believe it, but I will say this. Last December, the rumors about the whole Dolphin situation were starting to fly around. I didn't necessarily believe those either. It turns out they were actually pretty true. Yeah. Um, so maybe these rumors are true as well. But I feel like the Niners got to be the front runner here. Because if you look at why Tom Brady chose ultimately the Buccaneers, it was a team that was Super Bowl ready. They had weapons. They had a good defense. And, and all these things, warmer weather, all this stuff. You know what I mean? You look at the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they have, I think, just as many weapons, you know, different style of weapons, sure, but just as many weapons. The defense is 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 immaculate. Um, you got a coach that it fits kind of Tom's like kind of looking for fun towards the late stages of his career type of football. And I think Kyle Shannon can give him that. You got John Lynch as a GM who's a former player, former Bucks. So I mean, there's a connection there. How could you not and respect him? Yeah. It's the 49ers. I mean, let's, you know, his again, parents again, live Tom, here. Yeah, his parents are here. He grew up watching Joe Montana. He grew up a 49ers fan. And Tom may be an older man at this point in time, but 
he's still a guy playing a kid's game and that whole thing is rooted in childhood dreams which is tom tommy brady wearing san francisco 49ers colors i feel like that's 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 honestly i I feel like that's what's going to happen i just kind of feel like that's going to come to fruition um for those who who maybe doubt it remember tom brady puts in all of his contracts he cannot be franchise tag the Buccaneers cannot franchise tag him. So the only way he comes back to Tampa, if he wants to come back to Tampa, and I'm not saying necessarily he's looking to escape Tampa, you know, specifically, but I just think the Jimmy G situation, the Trey Lance situation with this offense in the shape they are, the defense shape they are, it just, it seems like the perfect storm for Tom Brady to finish his career as a 49er. You said you also brought up New England as a possibility. Uh, there's the Raiders, although they don't exactly look great. Uh, they have Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels and don't have the greatest defense. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I would I would probably say the Niners, it's a layup, but they smoked the layup three years ago, and that's true. <laughs> they smoked it like re- like it was like a windmill dunk that they put off the back of the uh, of the iron and it went bounce back. <laughs> but at least you guys got a Super Bowl out of it, so congratulations. It's been, a, it's been a blast. You know what I mean? It's been great. But I just yeah, I I can't get the image of Tom Brady wearing 49er colors to end his career. I mean, I'm sure he'll do the one day or in New England probably, but I think for his last season. I just it makes too much sense and the situation matches too well to not happen, I think. So who would be the Bucks quarterback next year? Kyle Trask? Uh probably Blaine Gabbert. You know, I mean Kyle Trask, he he had some up that sounds like fun season, but training camp was kind of a uh, not not so hot, you know. Um I think sell a Gabbert, whole lot of season tickets with Blaine Gabbert out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everybody's pretty much expecting after this year, there's gonna be kind of a, a window of maybe one to two, even three years of not so great football and then maybe Fair. Uh, you you know probably get like uh whoever the future maybe an Arch Manning or something uh you get lucky oh. to grab him in a draft or something, right? Absolutely, man. I'm getting old. We're getting old. Yeah, absolutely. Peyton Manning's son. Okay, well, David, thank you very much. I learned a lot. Uh, this was great. I appreciate you for giving me your time. Absolutely, Grant. Appreciate you. Take care, David. That was uh David Harrison with Locked On in the lot from the Locked On Network, which Eric Crocker is part of, and the Fan Nation Network, which I'm a part of. Jeffrey Ray wanted to know, isn't it early enough for Kyle to see how well Brock Purdy plays and sign a veteran quarterback off the couch? If Kyle called Drew, could he be ready to get a ring? Well, I don't know. Like, Sean McVay got um, Baker Mayfield ready to win a game in two days. So maybe Kyle Shanahan could, like, do something similar with a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't know. Bring Brady, bring Brady home back to the Bay. He belongs here. The Buck guy thinks it's going to happen. Brady is going to any is going to any or retiring. He knows the system is a better ending to his legacy. Corey, you heard what David said. I don't know. Sorry, Trey, but it's Brady. What are you going to do? All right, everyone, that's it. Go have a great weekend. Uh, the Niners play Tom Brady this weekend. I'll be there. I might see you before then. I think I probably will. Have a good one. It's his nephew. Whatever. Whatever.